if you have somehow stumbled your way back into this podcast welcome back yes we've had some audio issues we continue to have some audio issues but we've got a big weekend of combat sports to unpack so this is episode two of catchweight so as it approaches the late hours of monday night we've had a busy schedule here at the nisar camp but on the Friday night, we had Gennady Golovkin making a return with a historic defense of the middleweight title. The Saturday night, we had that big Canelo versus Smith fight, which saw the pound for pound number one prove why he is just that overhauling, dominating, overpowering Callum Smith for 12 rounds. On that same night, Stephen Thompson put on a kickboxing clinic to close out the UFC's stellar year, shutting down Jeff Neal over five rounds. We also saw the return of Jose Aldo after his loss in July, and he looked as good as ever. Finally, on the Sunday night, we had the WWE event, which will break down at the end of the show, because, you know, boxing and UFC purists tend to stay away from WWE, whilst WWE fans are more tolerable, according to my research anyway. History was made on Friday night, as Gennady Golovkin made a 21st defence of his middleweight title. He beat Camille Jarmetta, who I know it sounds harsh, but he clearly did not belong in the ring with Golovkin on that night. Although unbeaten, the pole was unable to offer anything that could back Golovkin up. His power was not enough to deter Golovkin from coming forward and commanding the fight from the very beginning. He controlled the first round with the jab, unleashed a big left hook at the end of the first round, and the writing was on the wall from there. He went on to knock him down three more times. The last of those was in the seventh round. A double jab floored Jeremeta. He did get back up. To his credit, he was game. He was tough, but he was outclassed. And in between the 7th and 8th rounds, the referee called it off. And that would be that. Golovkin, would you say he turned back the clock? Yes, but he clearly was not the same fighter of old in terms of the fact that there was a bit of mercy. Maybe that was out of his doing, or maybe the fact that he has got to go a bit slower now. He is getting on. He is 38 years of age, he's been in a lot of, a lot of wars, he has been, spent a lot of time in the boxing ring and that will take its toll on any man, even if they are as formidable as Gennady Golovkin. Now it goes on to see what is next for Golovkin. I mean, this is the type of fight you need a year out of the ring, some tough questions, some tough battles and here we go. He didn't take any damage, he looked good, he got his confidence back and he was back on that, you know, that killing spree that he, coming forward great pressure the jab was landing we also saw some relatively new things from Golovkin um, he was experiencing sorry he was experimenting more with some head movement um, easier to do against someone of Camille Jarometta's stance considering he has got less power to trouble him uh, should the Canelo fight happen it'd be interesting to see Golovkin's defense because the way Canelo looked on Saturday night which we'll move on to later on He's going to need a bit more than just taking the shots on his chins and his gloves. Especially now, having aged on a bit, you know, it'll be over three, almost three years since the second fight, should that happen next. There's also Demetrius Andrade, another option for him. But Golovkin still has a lot of big fights on the table. You think he at least has one left in him. You know, he still remains a threat. There is... A decline that is visible but it's physical and it's something that he's working with as he goes along you know like I said he had the head movement he was calculated he's got to pace himself and he remains a threat now we'll go into the triple g versus canelo 3 a little later on but 
another option there could be Jamie Mungia. Um, he is young still, a knockout artist. I would say give that a couple more years still so uh, Mungia can really make himself a name when the time is right. Right now it could be a risk, you know, no matter how promising you look, going in there with Gennady Golovkin right now is still a big challenge. But it was great to see Golovkin back in there, great to see him get a knockout win, coming forward, letting the jab go, letting the power shots go, and here we go. Let's see what he's going to do in 2021 now. He's made history as well. Uh, make of that stat what you will, considering he did defend the regular and I believe the interim titles at some point over those 21 defences. And also a note here, this was my first time watching a fight on the zone. It launched in the UK um, a few weeks ago. This was the first live fight on it. I was very impressed, you know, um, as what you'd expect from, you know, a quality streaming company. The content before, there was a great feature on um, Ronaldo, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo that is, and Gennady Golovkin. Um, yeah, great service, and it's only 1.99 at the moment. I'm sure they'll hike the price up, but considering we got this fight and the Canelo fight the night after, uh, great value. I'm very impressed. And then moving on to Saturday night, there were definitely no claims that Canelo was cherry picking for this one because he arguably shared the ring with. You can't even say arguably. To be fair, Callum Smith proved he was the best super middleweight in the world going into that fight with Canelo, and over 12 rounds he could not get anything together. Canelo was coming forward, walking him down, going for the big shots. He never really had Callum Smith wobbled, but the Brit did endure a lot of punishment over them 12 rounds. He did appear to pick up a bicep injury at some point in that fight. Whether or not that would have affected him in terms of if the bicep was healthy, he would have been able to put up a better fight. I doubt it, considering Canelo's game plan. He did rip to the body later on. Many thought, you know, when this fight was first announced, the tall torso of Smith, Canelo's just going to go straight for that body. Instead, um, Canelo was mixing it up very well. Um, and his defence was excellent again. Callum Smith, he tried to fight on the inside, which, which he does better at. Even though if you use his range, it probably wasn't the best technique considering Canelo was just backing him up. The amount of times we saw um, Callum Smith just get pushed up against the ropes. He was uncomfortable, uncomfortable for pretty much the whole fight. And that is what Canelo does to you. It was a performance that had the hallmarks of the pound for pound king. And it's hard to deny it right now with what he's done. And of course, Lomachenko losing in October. Canelo has a very big case. If you look at his resume, look, just look. And, and um, the case speaks for himself. So the ferocity, the, the hunger, everything was on point from Canelo. It just seems, you know, everyone was talking about when is... He's fighting a younger opponent. Is he going to begin to slow down now? Is all the tolls from the wars going to affect him? And he just seemed to have adapted to it. He is still 30. That is a very ripe age, even when you consider what he's gone through in his career, the wars he's been in, of course, them two fights with Gennady Golovkin. Um, there was no sign of, of anything there, except the fact that he's just getting better and better. And I don't know who can stop him at this point. Maybe besides the better be a fight at light heavyweight, which, you know, the window for that is going to close as well. Because, you know, speaking of age, we're not trying to be ageist here, but the reality is better be is getting gold. I believe he is 35 now currently. I may stand corrected. And yes, he carries the power. He carries a lot of threats for Canelo. But 
you know, let Canelo get through his assignment, which I believe should be Triple G and maybe one of the middleweight champions, super middleweight champions, and then he could step up. And um, right now, I, I find it very difficult to um, pick against Canelo in any fight. You know, Callum Smith was an incredible opponent. He made a good account for himself in terms of the fact that he was tough. He was never exposed to a straight, a, a sequence of shots, more the case of he was taking one and he'd move away. And he just had no answer. At the end of it, he was even in awe. I think all of us were in awe because Canelo really did show the levels there. Yeah, he could have been disputed against Kovalev, maybe for cherry-picking opponents, you know, the way he took out the an old, so to speak, Kovalev. But what can you say about this? No, even though I'll admit it, I've been a detractor of Canelo. Um, not his biggest fan, considering, I believe, he was gifted the draw against uh, Triple G in the first fight. The second fight, I believe, should have been a draw, and I think Canelo was lucky to get that decision, which is why I so badly want to see the Triple G fight for the third time. I think the window may have been, may have closed. Well, Triple G's window of opportunity may have closed to beat Canelo now. Unfortunately, Triple G, yes, he's still a threat, but the way Canelo has just continued to improve and Golovkin has unfortunately begun to deteriorate now and I think should they meet next summer I'll be back in Golovkin well, I'll be unbiased here on catchweight because that's how we do it but I believe Canelo might win that widely now and then who, who's next for him you know we could throw him in with Billy Joe Saunders but I think light heavyweight is is around the corner now and it will be some some sight to see him go to light heavyweight again and, and, and take on the biggest challenge in Beterbiev. So, props to Canelo. That's all I can say. Callum Smith made a great account for himself. Again, you wonder what will be next for him. He Does he want to go up to light heavyweight if Canelo's going to be joining him up there soon? You know, when you suffer your first defeat like this, everyone's going to be telling him, yes, you lost to a pound for pound, great. But it's going to sting just as much for him. Maybe the short preparation could have affected him, but... At the end of the day, I think that fight was going one way and it was going to be Canelo walking him down, making the physical attributes a non-issue and just taking that fight from him completely. Excellent performance from Sol Canelo Alvarez. I did see some remarks about Callum Smith's corner. They suggested that maybe they should throw in the towel, but there was never one point where, you know, Callum Smith was seriously hurt. Yes, he took damage, of course, throughout the fight and he was marked up. But there was never one moment where he could not intelligently defend himself. You know, like I said earlier, he was taking the shots. Some of them were landing on the gloves, and then he was he was he was circling away. Although Canelo would be hot on his tail afterwards. And I think getting to the 12 rounds was was a moral victory in its own sense. So what's next for Triple G and Canelo? You must ask. Well, the answer is pretty obvious in my books. The third fight, the trilogy, Kinko de Mayo weekend, May 2021, and let's try and get a definitive ending to this special rivalry that has defined both men's careers. We could see Canelo put the final nail in the coffin for Golovkin's career and put that rivalry well and truly to rest. Or we could see Golovkin, you know, it will possibly be his last big crack at that, that great victory, that big signature win that he's wanted, which he arguably was robbed off in 2017 and may have been in 2018 as well. I'd love to see it. May 2021 and considering the size of the fights we could see next year that will be right up there with it Canelo Triple G3 let's make it happen
And one final note on the boxed sphere before we switch gears. The Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua mega fight continues to pick up steam in the United Kingdom. Tyson Fury joined the Jonathan Ross show on a prime time Saturday, Saturday night slot. He won over the crowd even with a vocal performance but the story was clear here. He was calling AJ a coward of some sorts. Uh, we've had no serious update in negotiations thus far. With Christmas coming up I wouldn't expect that to change but after the new year we hopefully will get some traction and we will get going now on these talks and uh, we're going to keep a close eye on it here probably every week now just monitor the new situation because this will be a quickly extensive developing story on the road to Joshua versus Fury and of course all the mandatories and the other hurdles that may come into it. Uh, I've been doing some more thinking on this fight following the uh, Pulev win from AJ and yes this is the right fight at the right time but AJ may want to take a couple more fights I know you're probably frowning right now but in terms of his boxing development if he goes into the Fury fight he will lack still lack some things that he will need to to, to make him feel secure in there Fury's got the versatility and currently at the moment Fury is my pick to win this fight although I don't think AJ is as big of an underdog as many people believe you know he has still got the power he is an Olympic gold medalist so yes we'll, we'll continue to um, try and develop an opinion on this fight and try and break down different aspects as we go along but now switching gears to the UFC and whoever thought Stephen Thompson was going to be a gatekeeper for the remaining years he had inside the octagon were sadly mistaken. He put on a kickboxing clinic against Jeff Neal for five rounds in the final calendar event of 2020 for the UFC. What a year it's been from Fight Island, well from Jacksonville, Florida to Fight Island to the Apex to Fight Island again to the Apex. It's been unbelievable from the UFC. They really did pull ahead and put themselves up there with mainstream sport all the way from Tony Ferguson's dramatic loss to Justin Gagey all the way to what was a signature performance from Wonderboy and he has shown that he is a big threat at 170 pounds still considering you know those two Woodley fights they were close and while Thompson did suffer some high profile defeats following that he has never really had that next chance and a crack at the title Kamal Usman versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is a fight not many of us had imagined but it's one that will be fantasized about now for many months to come considering how good and how interesting it could be this could be a well-deserved crack at the gold for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and I had a discussion with my friend a few months ago about the best fighters not to never to hold UFC gold and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is well and truly up there he just did not let Jeff Neal get anywhere close to him even in a smaller 25 foot octagon just the incredible striking skills, keeping him at bay, you know, that patented sidekick, even surviving a headbutt head at one point. Just again, we're in awe of Stephen Thompson right now. The best striker in the UFC, and it's not even close. He's calling out Masvidal. If I'm Masvidal, I'm staying well away from that because it didn't go well in Madison Square Garden a couple of years ago. It probably won't go well this time either. And Stephen Wonderboy Thompson has every right to clamour for a title shot right now. And even if not, he should fancy his chances against a top contender. And then the co-main event. 
Jose Aldo remains a force to be reckoned with at bantamweight. 135 pounds, he has that new lease of life. Yes, he fell short against Peter Yan in July. But, don't forget, he did give the Russian a lot of problems before being stopped in the final round. And he gave Marlon Vera a whole three rounds of problems in that co-main event. He was throwing in the leg kicks. He was, all, of course, throwing in some good hooks to the body. And he was just controlling Vera in the third round with the lead intact. He went for the back. He pursued a rear naked choke on the um, Ecuadorian. Pardon me if I got that wrong, but his fellow South American on the safe side. He was unable to find a rear naked choke, but he had the body triangle locked in for the whole round. And there was no disputing who was winning that fight. Jose Aldo. He's, he's still about. He's still well and truly in the mix. Considering how far he did push Peter Yan, um, you can't dispute that he's going to be going away from that top part of the pile anytime soon. Very interested that he called out TJ Dillashaw. Again, a fight we didn't know he wanted, but it would be very interesting to see Aldo and Dillashaw mix it up at bantamweight. But also a very tough fight for Dillashaw after a, a long layoff. Either way, Aldo's back in the mix. And whether it's at bantamweight or featherweight now, considering Holloway is no longer the champion at 145 pounds. There is reasons to be watching Jose Aldo. He is far from done. He is finding a new lease of life. Yes, he does not have that same speed. And there are the physical attributes that, of course, would have declined after a championship level career. But there is, I feel, still some great stories to be told in the career of Jose Aldo. And on to the rest of that UFC Vegas 17 main card. Greg Hardy suffered a brutal ground and pound loss. I think that was satisfying viewing for a lot of people. But you could say that was more down to a cardio issue. His striking was looking good in the first round. And then he just faded and it, it ended in brutal fashion. Rob Font, a big victory over Marlon Moraes. Very, very big win. And you've got to wonder where the former title challenger Moraes can go from now. He has begun a dangerous slide down. And he's going to continue to slip down the rankings until until who knows what happens to him. Um, the Brazilian did very well against Cejudo last summer. He was on the verge of winning that vacant bantamweight belt and how things could quickly change. I wonder what could be going wrong for Marlon, but he's got to get it fixed if he wants to stay in the mix. And amongst that madness, we also saw a Michel Pereira fight without any backflips, any stunts and a more technical display. That got him the judges nod over Chaos Williams while Twitter, other MMA analysts, other fans of the sport had it different. Chaos Williams may be unlucky to have the defeat there but again when you have one of those fights in such a packed division it's not gonna shift things too much out of his favour. He's always one big win out of the mix and he's got that knockout power like he's done so before with his um, KO of the year contender against Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Speaking of knockouts of the year, fighters of the year, we're gonna try and break that all down later on but you've got to tip your hat to the UFC. What a 2020. We said it before, from Ferguson, Gagey, all the way to Thompson versus Neil. From Fight Island to the Apex to the arena in Jacksonville, those COVID, those COVID uh, measures. And of course, the bit before that we saw, again, Jones Reyes, uh, one of the fights of the year, Wilai Zhang versus Joanna. And of course, Conor McGregor's victory against Donald Cerrone. It's been a whirlwind year in the UFC, and arguably they pulled ahead and made themselves up there as a credible promotion. Props to Dana White, props to the team, and again, UFC in 2021 is looking good. It started with McGregor, 
it probably won't be put on hold now to a pandemic and we'll actually be getting fans in because that is all that was missing from this stellar year in the UFC. We'll try and break that down in a future episode before we now switch gears to the squared circle. We're heading to WWE. And finally, closing out the weekend was WWE TLC. Emanating from the Thunderdome, things started hot and they stayed extremely hot if you saw the fate of The Fiend at the end of the show. Drew McIntyre made a successful defence off his WWE title. But again, I'm trying not to rant, but if you're going to have someone cash in, why would they enter themselves into a triple threat match? That is surely not opportunistic, especially for someone as intelligent as The Miz. Um, I don't know if I'm breaking kayfabe or not here, but come on, Miz, you're in it. You're watching an evenly contested match. Both wrestlers are still very fresh at the moment. What do you do? You enter yourself into the match and then you end up getting beaten up by his large assistant and then that's it. It doesn't make sense and it's a waste of a cash in. I'm not sure what WWE plans were. They probably were changed considering Otis initially had the Money in the Bank contract before the Miz beat him for it. But nonetheless, Drew McIntyre is still champion. He's up there for Superstar of the Year. It's been a great year for him. He beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. He held the belt. He won the Royal Rumble as well, of course. Let's not forget. And he finishes the year on top of the ladder with that WWE title. Some stuff he could only have dreamt of a few years ago and we probably would have laughed at when we saw him in a three-man three band just then a few years ago when he was a laughing stock. But it does go to show he's put in the work and he deserves to be there now. The Scotsman reigning high atop the WWE. Moving on to the other world title match and Roman Reigns is being Roman Reigns the heel Roman Reigns I'm sure the crowd will be booing him now after Jey Uso basically assisted him to the win over Kevin Owens Um, something will tell me that rivalry isn't over between Owens and Reigns and yeah I hope this is all leading to a super fight with the Rock at WrestleMania be it this year or be it the next year you know with the Samoan family ties and whatnot Roman Reigns is doing some brilliant work though Smackdown and Raw have got some solid champions right now leading their brands. We would delve on deeper to the card, but we are in for time constraints. Busy week for me here. Um, I do not try to delve too deep into my personal uh, work and things like that. But we are keeping it short because I'm busy for time. We'll finish it off with something that will be remembered for quite a while. Whether that's for a good or bad reason, you tell me. The Fiend slash Bray Wyatt or do we just call him The Fiend at this point I think they just call him The Fiend him and Randy Orton went to war in a Firefly Inferno match again sorry if I forgot the terminology I'm not quite up to scratch with all the trademarks WWE has on their files at the moment but it ended with The Fiend or a mannequin of The Fiend being torched alive by Randy Orton what does this mean? we don't know because when we saw Seth Rollins burn at the Firefly Funhouse, there the Fiend came again. So whether this is the end of the Fiend or another big twist in the rivalry remains to be seen. But Randy Orton, let's not forget, I said it last week, I'll say it again. He is my superstar of the year. I mean, he has put in some of the best work of his career so far. And what a way to end it. What a unique way to end a unique year. Randy Orton setting a mannequin on fire. I promise you it is much more significant than it just seemed on that day. But... If you want to take one thing from this whole segment of the show, it is that Randy Orton is still on top. And that follows the theme we've had here on Catchweight today. Gennady Golovkin is still on top. Saul Canelo Alvarez, still on top. Stephen Thompson, still on top. 
Jose Aldo still on top and the Viper, Randy Orton still on top. They say age is but a number and I celebrated my 23rd birthday a week ago. I'm beginning to feel old now, but these athletes certainly aren't. So that just about wraps things up for episode 2 of Catchweight. Hopefully there was less stuttering, hopefully the audio was a bit more legible. Either way, we're going to keep going because this is the fight game and I'd like to express my opinions on there. If you have any opinions, you can catch us on at CatchweightPod on Twitter and Instagram. And also check out Sporting Matrix for your latest fight content. What a year it's been. This was the last big fight weekend of 2020. There was a small Fox card on Boxing Day, I believe. Um, checking the schedules here. But it all kicks off again Saturday, 2nd of January. Garcia and Campbell will lock horns on the zone for the WBC title. So, have a great Christmas, everyone. Thank you for joining us for these great fights through 2020. And we'll be back very soon 